May the words of my mouth and meditations of our heart be always acceptable in our sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to be here with you today. I said I was so happy. It seemed like every time I've preached lately, it's been really cold in the morning. So I was so thrilled when it was warm when I got up. So uh, I wanted to talk to you today about this reading, this gospel reading from Mark on the transfiguration. And as I've been kind of praying about this and reflecting on this, I've been thinking about how busy it's been lately. And it doesn't seem like it's just here at the church. It's everybody. Everybody has so many things going on. It just seems like one thing after another. Weddings being planned. Funerals being planned. Trips. Things going on at school. Sick kids. Getting ready to build a building for Grace School. I mean, there's just so many things going on. And a lot of it's really good stuff. But I said, as we're going through it, and especially here at the church, I've got to where I think about this more. And it's like we can get so busy doing for Jesus that we kind of leave Jesus behind in the process. We're not taking time to say, like, am I spending time with God? Am I doing what I need to be doing? Am I excited about what Jesus is doing? Or or am I just saying, come on, get on here, let's go, let's do, let's do, let's do, let's do. And I think a lot of us fall into that boat sometimes where it's just so much going on. And as I was thinking about all these things that are going on in this gospel day, the big idea really came to me that one day soon we're going to see Jesus in all of his glory. Listen and turn to him today. And I thought how important that is that even in our busyness, even in so many things going on, that every day we need to make an effort and a conscious decision to turn to Him and listen to what He has to say and the direction that He has for our lives. Because a lot of times we're doing really good things, but maybe God has a call on us that's actually in a different direction, but we're not taking time to listen to Him. So we're kind of off doing our own thing in a way. And we say, but this is for you, Lord. And so I thought this was a good gospel message for all of us before we begin Lent in just a few days. Uh, Just to kind of put this in context a little bit, this passage comes shortly after Jesus' first passion prediction in Mark uh, and his teaching on the requirements for discipleship. The transfiguration really provides confirmation and reassurance for the disciples that Jesus really is indeed the Messiah and the Son of God. At the transfiguration, the veil over Jesus' divine glory is lifted, and that inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John, are given that glimpse of His true glory. And I really don't think there's probably any earthly way to describe this. You know, this what they witnessed. Like, it's really hard to describe, I think. When we look at the transfiguration, it was recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. So I will kind of refer a little bit to some of theirs where they fill in parts of the story that Mark left out. John also references it in just a little way when he says we have seen his glory. And of course, in the reading from 2 Peter today, Peter makes reference of this event that he witnessed probably up on Mount Hermon. And uh, I'm sure this is an event that those disciples would never forget. It would have an impact on them for the rest of their ministry and their lives. I wanted to take a side note in this and look at Peter briefly. Leading up to this in chapter 8, we have Peter being asked a question of Jesus. You know, who do you say that I am? 
And Peter, of course, gives the right answer and says, you are the Christ. And uh, a few verses later, Jesus is then being rebuking Peter because Peter is saying, no, Lord, you're not going to have to do all these things. You're not going to have to go to the cross. You're not going to have to suffer. You're not going to have to die. And Jesus is saying to him, get behind me, Satan. So we've gone from good answer, Peter, to uh, get behind me, Satan. And just a short week later, basically, here we are, and he's on the mountain with Jesus. He's gone up this mountain with Jesus. And he's this disciple that's just kind of up and down that we get all this stuff. And he always has something to say, Peter. He always has something to say. And I thought, what a good reflection that is, really, of our Christian life. There's so many ups and downs. Today we're going, yes, Lord, I've got it, I'm good, we're on the team, we're going together, this is great. And then tomorrow we're going, oh no, no, I'm sorry, Jesus, I'm, I'm not doing that. I am not doing that. I'm going to do my thing. And he's going, uh-uh, that's not what I'm calling you to do. And then the next thing you know, you're having some mountaintop experience with Jesus, but I thought it's such a good reflection of us. And I think that should keep us humble because we're constantly in this battle of the flesh and the spirit. And so I want to look at today a couple of these verses to start with, verses 2 to 4 in this gospel reading. And we're really provided here with a description of this scene. And of course, like I said, this is kind of an indescribable scene in a lot of ways. We're told that the three disciples and Jesus are going up on the mountain. They go up alone. In Luke's Gospel, he says that Jesus is going up to pray. And while he's up praying, he was transfigured before them. You know, this is a dramatic event. It's a dramatic event. His face shone like the sun. His clothes were this dazzling white that we can't even imagine. Because this is a white and a brightness that would only come from a heavenly origin. It's nothing that we would ever see here on earth. In Psalm 104, verse 2, it says this, God is described as He wraps Himself in light as with a garment. You know, this isn't, Jesus isn't reflecting light. He is the light. And this is something that I just don't even think we could imagine completely. We have an idea but it's really hard to imagine. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. It says, Jesus is the radiance of the Father's glory. So the glory of God is veiled in His humanity. And in the transfiguration, we have what Calvin described as a temporary exhibit of His glory. The disciples got to see that. The disciples got to see this parting of the veil. And it had such an impact on them that, of course, we're told about it in these Gospels. And Mark wrote this one down for us because he knew it was important for us to see this parting of the veil of God in all of His glory. You know, and it does defy language. We have this description, but I think we miss probably so much. You know, this to me is like when you go to the beach and you see that beautiful sunrise or sunset, and you can come back and show the pictures and describe it a little bit to people, but it never does it justice. Because when you're there, you have the smells, you hear the beach, the water crashing on the shore, you have all of those things, or you go up in the mountains and you see the leaves change in the fall. It's like, how do you describe those things? As I was preparing for this, it reminded me of when I was in college and part of the Navigators Christian Ministry 
we did a beach retreat down in St. Pete, and one night it was a full moon, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and we went out, and the moon was reflecting on the water, and there was a nice, gentle ripple in the water, and it was just beautiful. And when I think about it, I'm there. I'm there again, and I can smell those smells and see it, and there's no way I could describe it to you in a way that would do justice. And as I think about Jesus, I think, do we long for the day to see him in all of his glory that's going to be so much better than leaves changing or the moon on the water or all of these things that we have here on earth it's going to be so much better are we excited for that day when we're going to see him in that glory or do we allow our busyness to kind of push that aside and we don't really think about it because i realized i said i don't think about this enough of the glory of God. You know, I think of Isaiah 53 where it talks about that Jesus really didn't have any beauty. It was just kind of, he was blended in with the crowds, really, if he wasn't out teaching or performing miracles. You know, he wasn't as you expect God to be while he's here on earth. He just was average, common. And yet here in this transfiguration, Peter, James, and John get this preview of the glory of who He is. And I think how exciting that is for us. And do we spend time thinking about that? Do we spend time longing for that? Do we have a hunger to see that glory and be with Him? You know, I think not only did He look different, but we have Moses and Elijah joining Him. And they talk. And in Luke's Gospel, it says that they're talking about... um, Jesus coming back, his death and resurrection, the people that put their faith and trust in him would be set free just as the Israelites were set free in Egypt, that exodus, that Jesus was going to be the Passover lamb. That's the conversation they're having. And I think as we're moving into this season of Lent and Ash Wednesday, you know, are we longing for that as well? Are we longing to grow closer to Christ? As we go on in this, in verses 7 and 8, this reading today, we hear the disciples here from the mountain, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And that really hit me. That really hit me on Friday as I was reading over this passage again during the day and and praying on it. You know, are we listening to Jesus? So we have Jesus in all of his glory The disciples are seeing him. They're telling us this account of this veil being parted. And then we have this command from God, listen to him. Are we listening to Jesus in our lives? How well are we listening? And I think maybe the better question is, who or what are we listening to today? I know I spent a lot of time as I was preparing for this saying, what are those people or things that are influencing my life that I listen to, that I've given some type of authority or trust? We all have people that we listen to or things that we listen to, and they have some type of influence on us. But we have to remember, if it's something here on earth, they're not always going to get it right 100% of the times, and yet sometimes we take everything as gospel truth that we hear. We don't spend time researching it for ourselves and coming to a conclusion because we say, oh, I heard it from so-and-so. It has to be true. It has to be true in whatever subject it is. 
But we can't be that way because even the best of us are not perfect. Even the best of us are going to say the wrong things sometimes and get it wrong. And you see, Jesus is that authority. He does have it right 100% of the time. He always had it right. His word is always true. And so when we listen to Jesus, it means more than simply reading the word or hearing what he has to say. It means hearing with understanding and then acting on that. You know, I was, I was thinking about this, especially the other day as I was looking at just kind of busyness. And a few days ago, I was listening to my podcast that is reading the Bible to me, and I'm on my way here to the church. And I, there were some things coming up, and I was going over them in my head. Now, the Bible app's playing away in my car. And I get here to the church, and I thought, I have no idea what I just listened to. But I did it. I'm keeping up with my commitment of, of reading the Bible every day, of going through the Bible in a year. I did it. And I thought, how often we do that. How often we sit down and read stuff. Or read the Bible, and we read it. And we finished, and there was no understanding. There was no anything, because my mind is off somewhere else. You see, when it comes to Christ, we really have to be intentional. We really have to be saying, I'm going to pay attention to what I'm reading. And if I don't understand it, I'm going to talk to somebody that does, or I'm going to go do some research on this, and I'm going to pull out the commentaries, and I'm going to figure out what this passage is saying. But so often we say, I'm a New Year's resolution, I'm going to read the Bible this year, check, I did it every day. Well, what, what happened in the Bible? I don't know. Creation, the fall, Jesus came, I'm saved. Hallelujah. I mean, that's kind of like what we do sometimes, isn't it? That's really what we do sometimes. At the end of that year, we have no better understanding of the Bible. We have no better understanding that the Old Testament is pointing us to the New Testament and the coming of Christ. And so it takes a lot more than just hearing it or reading it. There has to be understanding that goes along with it. And in that understanding, it becomes life application in us that we start to apply it to our lives. And I think it's so hard today because we live in a world that pretty much we don't listen to anybody but ourselves. A world that tells us, just listen to yourself. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel good. You know, we just had the Worth the Fight event on how to talk to your your teenage, your kids about sex and identity and social media and all these things. And I thought, but the problem is, is a lot of times as parents or as educators, we just tell kids, well, be who you're going to be. Do what you want to do. Whatever makes you feel good, do that. So we're not listening to any type of authority either because now we're just telling the kids, oh, go with this. This is great. Be you. And that's contrary to everything that's in this book. That's contrary to everything that Jesus tells us. We don't get to just say, I can do whatever I want because it makes me happy. That's not how this works. And so often that's how it is. But we're really just not good listeners. We really aren't. I said in college that we should have a class on how to listen. You have all these classes on speech and all these things that you have to do as prerequisites. But I think sometimes the most basic one is listening. They need a class on how do you listen well? How do you concentrate? How do you focus? How do you give your full attention to someone other than ourselves? You know, it's easy today just to kind of be lazy and nod your head and say, yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, great, good to see you, have a good day. No idea what the person just told me. 
Or another thing that I like to do is I'll turn it, go home, and after a long day, I'll turn on my TV. And then I pull out my phone, and I'm scrolling through emails or scrolling through social media. So the TV's going. I'm looking at social media, and then the best is when you get a phone call, too. And you can have the TV on, continue to scroll, and talk to somebody. And at the end of it, you don't know anything. I said yesterday was a prime example of this. I left the church after worth the fight. I'm on my way home. My phone rings in the car. I answer it. I'm talking to the person. I run by my house. I have to pick up something. I'm on my way to Publix. I'm in public shopping, talking on the phone. I run into Lauren Lomel, who's, who's one of our people here at church that's going over to the Congo soon. And Lauren kind of taps me on the shoulder, and her and I have a conversation. I don't say anything to the person on the phone who's now going, who are you talking to? What? Huh? 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 And I, oh, just a minute, just a minute. And Lauren and I talk, and off I go, and I thought, what did I just talk about with Lauren? What was this person telling me? And now I'm checking out at the cash register, and I have no idea what I paid for those groceries at Publix. <laughs> but I know they told me I saved a lot of money, so good deal. But I thought that is so often our lives today. I look at the kids in youth group, and it used to be enough just to take their cell phones away from them during the lesson. But I've discovered some of them leave their AirPods in. And so if their phones are in the room, guess what they've got? Their AirPod in, and they're still listening. So Sam, start taking those away wherever you are. (laughs) But it's like, that's the world we live in today. We're constantly distracted. We're constantly not listening. We're only focused on ourselves and what's making me happy at that moment in time. And then we're proud of ourselves, too, in a lot of ways, because we go, oh, look at all I accomplished today. I had five conversations with these people. I did my sermon. I did this. I did that. I did all these things. Yay. No. No. And you see, the problem with it is that that's how we treat God now. That's how we treat Him. Because we say we've got all these distractions. But you know what? I prayed on my way to work, listened to the radio, drinking my coffee, and getting angry at people on the road that don't know how to drive as well as I do. (laughs) I mean... That's, that's pretty much how it is. But we say, I spent time with him today. And it's so sad. It's so sad because that's what has happened. That's what's happened. We can't even have a conversation with each other anymore without having some distraction. Distraction. I think of how many times my phone vibrates in my pocket during the day and I'm so quick to pull it out and look at it. And in that moment, whatever that person that I'm talking to says... I don't know what it is. But we say we're great at multitasking. We say we can do this and this at the same time, but we really can't. So how much harder is it then to listen to God? How much harder is it to seek Him when He's not sitting here where we can have a conversation? Where I'm going to have to put forth an effort to make time every day to sit with Him. Where I'm going to have to spend time every day in the Bible. How much harder if I can't even have a conversation with the people around me? without getting distracted and not listening. I thought of Proverbs 18.2, which says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And isn't that where we are today? We're happy to express our opinion. Because the fool really finds pleasure in only saying what he wants because of his pride, his selfishness, and his own self-importance. And you see, how do we fix this, though? How do you fix this? 
It really goes back to being intentional about fixing your eyes on Christ. It becomes intentional about, I know I sound like a broken record, picking up your Bible and intentionally removing distractions, going into a quiet place and reading and praying and seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's an intentional thing. It's a spiritual discipline. And it's painful and none of us want to do it when we start. We just don't. We just don't want to do it because there's so many other things. And yet when we look to Jesus, we see that Jesus really was the master listener. I'm sure if we asked Martha or blind Bartimaeus or the woman at the well or the disciples, they would all tell us that Jesus was a great listener. You know, we did a study last year when I was still leading the youth ministry, and it was on the person of Jesus. And every encounter you see with Jesus with somebody in the New Testament and one of the Gospels was He sees the person, He listens to them, He has compassion, and He does something. Usually He heals. Usually He meets a need that they have. And I thought, are we that type of person? Or are we so quick to say, hey, Linda, how are you today? Good, good, great. Good to see you. See you next Sunday. Bye. I don't know what's going on with Linda. I have no idea. But in my mind, and even if she says, well, it's been a rough week. Oh, I'm sorry. And off we go to the next person. Actually, it's probably David saying he's having a rough week, but you know. (laughs) But the point is, is that we all do that. We all do that. And it's only going to change if we are intentional about it. It's only going to change if we're seeking God first. It's only going to change if we're looking to Jesus and look at the way that He communicated to others. He's the best example we could ever have. And yet we don't run to Him because we often don't think that we have a problem. I think to grow in listening is really a key part of our sanctification because God told us to listen to him. We're commanded in this transfiguration reading today to listen to Jesus. And then after that command to listen to Jesus, Jesus is the only one with Peter, James, and John. I think that really shows that the importance of what took place on that mountain really had to do all with Jesus. It was great that Moses and Elijah was there and they served a purpose, but it really was still all about Jesus and His glory. And so it is Jesus that they must listen to. And the kingdom of God really is at hand. And God really is doing a new thing. And so that's what I hope for us. We're about to go into Lent. And oftentimes we say, oh, I'm going to give up something for Lent. I'm going to give this up or I'm going to take this on. But are we really giving it up or taking it on because we want to grow closer to Jesus? Because we want to spend time listening to Jesus? Or do we say, well, I'll do one meal a day because I need to lose a little bit of weight. Or I'm going to do this because it's going to free up some more time. But what are you going to use that time for? Or are you going to give up something that's going to just make you angry? You give up caffeine because you say, this is going to do it. But then you have headaches and you get mad at everybody around you and you don't spend time with God. But we do it. And in our tradition, we were taught from a young age, what are you giving up during Lent? 
But there wasn't really anything that went with that to say, why are you giving this up? It's to grow in your sanctification process. And I think for us, I think it would be great this year to grow in how we listen. How we listen to God. How we listen to each other. How are we interacting with each other? What is God calling me to do during these 40 days of Lent of preparing for the death and resurrection of His Son? That's so important. It's so important because we really can't evaluate our own lives very well. But if we're giving up something to spend time with God, God's going to reveal things to us that need to be worked on in our lives. God's going to reveal things that we probably need to repent of. God's going to reveal to us how we need to forgive other people. God's going to reveal those things to us when we actually use the season of Lent to prepare our hearts. And it's going to start by listening and understanding the Word of God. It's going to start by spending time in prayer. It's going to start by making time intentionally in a quiet space to spend time with Him. Don't take your phone with you when you're trying to do this because you're never going to spend time with Him. I loved what Alistair Begg had to say. He said, you need to be in a church where the pastors are urging you not so much to listen to what they say as to turn to the Bible from which they teach. And I thought, isn't that true? I can stand up here every Sunday and tell you things from the Bible. And it might have some impact on you. But if you're not going home and doing it, and spending time and reading the Bible, by next Sunday you're going to be burnt out again. And you're going to be worn out. And I see it every day as I talk to people. So many people are burnt out. They're worn out. They're sarcastic. They're tired. They're unhappy. And it's because they're trying to do everything on their own. And then they say, but I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. And you say, but where is Jesus in this thing that you're doing? And most of the time they have no idea. Because they know they're doing a good thing but they're not spending time with the one that can tell them and give them rest for their souls. And so I hope as we go into Lent, I hope as we look at these 40 days of prayer and fasting, that we really will say, am I going to spend time intentionally listening to God? Or am I just going to do it because I'm obligated to do it? Because it's what I've always done. I really hope this is a Lent for all of us that's different that we really place first and foremost, what is God calling me to do? Maybe it's not even give something up or take something on so much. Maybe it's more just sitting down and quiet. Maybe that's what you're taking on. Sitting down in peace and quiet with the Word of God. Maybe that's what it is this Lent for us. Because I really hope that we're a church that spends time with Him daily. That listens to Him. That understands what He has to say and that we're evangelizing those that we meet, that we're spreading the Gospel, that our lives look differently because we're excited about what we're going to see in the glory of God one day when He comes again. That we're going to be excited to see that glory that Peter, James, and John experienced. That we're so excited and passionate about that that we want everyone to see that one day. And the only way they're going to see that is if we ourselves, as the body of Christ comes together and listens, understands, and act on it. So that is my prayer for all of us. And I'm right there with everybody else. 
I want to be a person that listens and is so excited about the glory that's going to be revealed to us that I want everyone to know. Amen?